Center for Diversity Leadership, where we are supporting school leaders together across the nation as they create school cultures that ensure all students are seen, valued, celebrated, and heard. I am Dr. Ryan Daniel, and I am your fellow in this work. All right, friends, today we have a special guest, Dr. William Blake. Dr. Blake is the Director of Redesign in District of Columbia Public Schools, and I am going to turn the mic over to Dr. Blake because I would love for Dr. Blake to introduce himself to our listeners. What's up, Dr. Blake? Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, depending on where you're at. But um, thank you, Dr. Daniel. My name is Dr. William Blake. As she's mentioned, I'm over here doing some amazing work in District of Columbia Public Schools, where I have the privilege to reimagine and rethink high schools. We are disrupting what traditional schooling looks like, and we are bringing an innovative approach um, to this. Prior to this work, my resume looks just like yours. I've been a classroom teacher. I've been an assistant principal, and I had the amazing opportunity of serving as a school leader at two campuses, a middle school and a high school. So now I just bring all those experiences together to kind of disrupt what uh, traditional schooling look, has looked like over these past hundreds of years. I told you all we're going to have some fun today. So um, today we're going to be talking about biases. You know, like which students are your teachers watching? Biases are inherited and natural attributes that all humans possess, reinforced by everyday interactions and the media. Implicit bias is an unconscious and involuntary prejudice against a thing, a person, or a group. Listen, all of us have biases. They form through everyday interactions and exposure to media. Today, we're going to try to talk about how we can discover our own implicit biases, you know, cultivating empathy for each other, especially those of us experiencing disparities can help reduce negative biases. And if you didn't know, there are three types of biases. There's racial bias, there's age biases, and there's gender biases. So today, we're going to talk with Dr. Blake on how we as leaders can really be intentional, intentional, excuse me, about helping our staff understand their biases and its impact on students. So before we get into it, um, you know, Dr. Blake, we're really transparent here, but mm-hmm. have you ever experienced a quick little elevator story of one of the types of biases, whether it be racial bias, age bias, or gender bias? Absolutely. Um, so for those of you all, um, who might not know me. So I, I, I became a leader very young. I became an assistant principal at the age of 25 and I became a principal at the age of 29. Um, with that, um, I have experienced a lot of age bias. Um, I tried to become a principal. I, I'll never forget it during my second year after being the AP at 27. And the response that I got from someone who interviewed me said, you are not ready yet because you are not old enough to be a school leader. And that was at 27 years old. So um, I have experienced that and that experience has stayed with me um, uh, for a very, very long time. And um, I always felt that I had to work harder than the next person who was five and 10 and eight years older than me um, just to get to the level that um, I wanted to get to. So unfortunately, I had a, a cheat um, experience that age bias um, in my work, in my pursuit to becoming a school leader. 
You know, because I think oftentimes we feel like bias is only like racial, mm-hmm. like it's mm-hmm. only your culture. But I agree with you, you know, just very similar to you, Dr. Blake, you know, coming into leadership very young. But then for me, I am a black woman. So mm-hmm. I have racial bias. I have mm-hmm. gender bias. And then being a young leader, you know, mm-hmm. trying to disrupt, you know, what people's um, just mindsets are around the picture of who yeah. should be a leader. Um, and I know for me, that has been something that I'm always just kind of mindful about when mm-hmm. I have interactions, you know, with my with my teachers and my staff. So what do you think is the connection between unconscious biases and maybe microaggressions? Absolutely. So when I think about unconscious biases, those unconscious biases are those biases that you develop um, through your social environments, those biases that you develop through your family environments, and those biases that you develop that you now see um, in the media each and every day, right? Um, so for an example, um, for those of us you know that grew up in um, a household where our family might be very, very large, um, an unconscious bias that you might that you might uh, that you might have grew up with is that you know what? I'm used to being around lots of people and I'm used to everyone being loud, right? So if I go into another space where everyone is loud, I'm automatically going to assume that they might come from a very large family, right? So everybody shows up in um, in their biases every day, but you have to be very, very intentional to be aware of your biases, right? So when those unconscious biases show up, if I'm in a room of people who do not look like me and do not sound like me, I don't want to bring those stereotypes that um, I learned and I acquired um, in my youthfulness or in my comings and goings in society. I don't want those to show up in the space that I'm in. So I want to be very, very aware to um, get to know the people that are in the room who do not look um, like me or do not sound like me or who might be different from me. Those microaggressions, now that's when um, I say things are very overt and they are very purposeful purposeful and intentional, right? For an example, Dr. Daniel, both of us have our doctorate degrees, right? If we are in a room, uh, I'm going to share my experience. I have been in a room of people who are not my peers, where they might be Caucasian colleagues, and I am introduced as Dr. William Blake. And after I'm introduced as Dr. William Blake, you know, I have been in a room where my white counterparts um, have called me Mr. Blake over and over and over again. That is a microaggression right there, right? Because um, um, society says, well, if you have a doctorate degree, people believe that you are better than them. Mm -hmm. That's not true. We work very hard to get to what we earn and what we acquired. So we should be rep- um, we should be called what our title um, uh, allows us to be called. However, when people continue to call me Mr. Blake over and over again, when you know my title was Dr. Blake, that is a microaggression that folks um, displaying um, and they are, are intentional about it. So um, those microaggressions come up, come about when people just want to be intentional to not respect the, the the title in the room, the space in the room, or or whatever the case might be. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know, it's like we, we have lived the same life because mm-hmm. I have experienced the same thing. And I remember when I yeah. first got my doctorate um, that a teacher 
and um, she um, she was she was a Caucasian teacher, and I actually experienced this with the older um, a, a older um, a Hispanic um, teacher as well. That she said, "Oh well, you know, it's going to take me a long time to to start calling you Doctor Daniel." So I yeah. said, "Mrs. Daniel," and I said, "No, like please address me as such." And I know mm. that one day, a uh, one pre-service week, I thought of that moment and so i started off and this is hey this is when you are writing down something listeners but i did this um kind of check-in with my staff of you know how do you professionally want to be addressed and how do you personally want to be addressed and Mm -hmm. um when can we address you when should we address you as this personally or professionally and you know I had a few people come up to me and say, wow, like, thank you for doing that check-in because, you know, in education, we'll, we'll constantly call people by their last name. Like, hey, mm-hmm. Rachel, hey, Daniel. Yeah. And I did not realize that there were some people that they did not like that. They wanted mm-hmm. to be addressed as Mr. or Mrs. or Miss mm-hmm. or Dr. And yeah. that a lot of times, I love what you said, like that microaggressions, um, you know, those when you are intentionally doing something mm-hmm. that you know makes a person feel a certain way, mm-hmm. but that, like, those unconscious biases are something that you just sometimes it's innate, like you grow. It's it, it depends on your environment. I know for me, you know, I come from a a church background, and I come from having you know seniors, citizens in my house that were raising me. So when I think of respect. I don't care if I'm the principal, if I have a teacher that is the same age as my grandmother, the same age as my mother, like, like I respect what they bring to the table. And though they're like, no, it's whatever you say. Like, no, I honor that right. you are, have walked the life that I haven't gone to yet. I'm not, I'm not there um, in my life. So how can principals, because, you know, we got principals listening, inspiring yeah. principals, assistant principals. How can we, you know, help, um, our our staff understand their biases and its impact on students. Yeah, the first thing is we have to create the space, and you got to create the space for people to um, to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? Yes. And um, the way that you can create that space because I always believe in giving strategy and uh, giving strategy, right? As a school leader, the way that you can create that space, you always use data as a narrative, right? Always use data as a narrative. I don't care what school community you work you you work at. If you put data at the forefront, you are going to see some disproportionality in that data. Rather, mm-hmm. it's around uh, black kids and white kids, black boys or white boys, Hispanic boys, and so forth. You're going to see a disproportionality in that data. Yeah. Put that data up. What do you notice about the data? Right. And when you when you ask the question, what do you notice? Ask them, what biases do you have about that data? Mm -hmm. And that's where that uncomfortableness comes from. Right. Mm -hmm. So the first piece is you have to create the space for people to be comfortable with with being uncomfortable. And second thing is we have to create opportunities to build folks capacity around their Mm -hmm. self-awareness. When you think about social emotional learning, one of the five uh, core competencies in social emotional learning is self-awareness. And when you are aware 
you are able to identify the biases that you bring into the role. So as a school leader, either we have to do the hard work to um, build our capacity to allow folks to become self-aware or reach out to our central office partners or our external partners to um, uh, bring in uh, PD resources for folks to be aware. So my two strategies is uh, create the space and use data as a narrative and also um, uh, create uh, build folks' capacity around their self-awareness using um, the social emotional learning competency. Yeah. You know, as we wrap up this, you know, I think of just how real time this conversation is for me. And just yesterday I had one of my veteran teachers come in and have a conversation with me. And it's one that I'm really building a relationship with um, because, you know, she she has been here for a long time. So I, I, I'm really valuing her and making sure that she sees she feels seen and valued. And so she shared with me that, you know, my Filipino teachers were not feeling as connected to me. They didn't feel that I was giving them as much opportunities um, this, this um, you know, this school year. And because I'm such an empath, right? You know, I, I, I talked about like empathetic leadership skills. I truly like, man, it, it paused me. I'm like, man, I, I want to make sure that I haven't been... Um, unintentional unintentional about making space and creating the space and the opportunities for them. But now I got to be intentional about how I show up for them and make sure that they feel seen and valued, especially because I came in with the bias, you know, I, because this now I'm in my second school and this is the first time that I have had a high number of Filipino teachers that you know, are very different from me. And so I have tried to be intentional about learning more about, you know, this particular group of my staff members and how I can support them, how I can make sure that they feel valued. And um, I don't let any bias that I may have get in the way of my support for them. Um, so, you know, I really appreciate some of the different conversations that we had today, you know, just about how we can really um, cultivate empathy, you know, for each other um, and making sure that our implicit biases, you know, don't get in the way and hinder us um, for, you know, how we support and show up for our school community. So, you know, Dr. Blake, any last tips that you want to share with our listeners as they, you know, they really dive into this work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the first piece is I just want everyone to know it's okay to not be okay, right? And what I mean by that is people walk and show up in their bias every single day. But when you are able to identify and be aware of your bias, it's okay for you to make different pivots and make adjustments in the spaces that you occupy. And it's also okay to be uh, vulnerable and transparent. As a school leader, you could say, you know what? I showed up in this space thinking this way, but after engaging and communicating, I am leaving the space feeling this way, right? So um, I just want to leave with that, that, you know, when you talk about this work, you have to have lots of empathy, not only for others, but you also have to have lots of empathy for yourself, right? Because no one, you cannot judge yourself for being raised in the communities and the environment that you were raised in, which helped you develop your biases. It's just up to you just to communicate those, um, be very, very aware of those, and uh, create the space to be vulnerable and transparent to learn um, a different pr perspective when those biases show up. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Blake. It has been great talking to you and just giving our members um, just some tips. You know, you know, everyone listen up. It, it, it is not about changing the bias or stopping the bias. It's about getting in between your internal reaction and, a, and your external reaction. Today, we hope you walked away with just a different outlook, a different mindset, you know, something that you can uh, go back to your school community and just look at a little differently. Thank you so much and stay tuned for more podcasts from the Center for Diversity Leadership. Mm-hmm.